lot of people sign up January 1st to a gym, right? Mm. But do they show up at the gym? Most of them don't. And so we don't want to have to change people's habits because right. we know that that's more of an uphill battle. We want to we want to just tap into the behavior that already exists, but replace the bad products with the outstanding ones. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Living Good Currency with Tony and Tobias. We're excited to have you back and appreciate all the love and support. For those who have been following us, again, thank you. And for those who are new, Tobias and I sit down with outstanding people that we believe that have lived a life of purpose and, and really know how to align their passions with their purpose and allowing us to learn from them. We've had some amazing guests on so far, and today's no different. Actually, it's an outstanding guest, mm. a guy named Bill Glazer who has been a serial entrepreneur since the age of five when he went door to door selling vegetable seeds and greeting cards. Mm. And of course, to make money to buy toys. His post-childhood career began as a financial advisor with stored investment banks before founding his own financial firm and several companies as an entrepreneur. His latest booming venture, Outstanding Foods, celebrates plant-based food and delicious taste. Welcome, Bill. Actually, I should say uh, thank you for inviting us to your your headquarters. I've well, thank you guys for being here. I've never been described where with the accolade of delicious taste. <laughs> yes, and so I hope while we eat things up today, it's not yeah, me. Yeah, yes, <laughs> there you go, bro. Yes, yes. Oh man, let's get off into it. As we was reading your bio, five years old. So who or what cultivated? that entrepreneurial spirit that you would take vegetable seeds and greeting cards and go around selling them for toys. How did that come about? Yeah, well, I thought it was five. My mother reminded me that it was actually four. Wow. Four. And I, four. yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a certain part that mm. was innate in me. Innate. And then I had some conditioning when I was young where that innate yes. entrepreneurial get out and do it got covered up. And then I had to clear the walls that were built, knock them down and bring back that innate, um, a, you know, way and, uh, learn it again. But okay. when I was four or five, um, I just wanted to get the magic kit that was in the back yes. of the magazine. Magic kit. And so, it wasn't that I wanted to be an entrepreneur at four or five. It was that I wanted to figure out how do I make money to get that magic. Right, in. right, right. And did you say your mother? Your mother was the one, uh, I guess, cultivating your business savvy at that point. No, she was the one that just said, okay, be back home for dinner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, oh, grown you know, man business. <laughs> different, different error that we're in now, but, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter and oh. at nine years old, she's not going out. <laughs> door to door the selling anything at it, that age. Yes. But, you know, it was a different era when I was a kid. And, um, I think, you know, if my mother actually sat down and thought about it, my, my four year old is mm. just walking around the neighborhood by himself. She probably would have had second thoughts, right. maybe right. has them now. Right. Um, but yeah, it was that freedom that freedom set me free. And then, um, you know, which, which I, you know, having the reservoir that I can dip into. That's amazing. Uh, did you get the toy? I got the toy. That's right. And it was, it was like a typical back of the magazine magic kit that, you know, it was a big letdown. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be, Right, right. but it was a good first experience of you want to, you want something, yes. you have an intention 
you take the action and then you figure it out from there. Mm. It's interesting you say that because anybody that's listening to our podcast, one of the things that Good Currency's formula is, is about you know aligning your passions, your personal, professional, and spiritual, along with your purpose, which is to do good for yourself and others. And it all starts with laying your intentions out for the things that you want to do the day, follow through with the right actions, but leave the results up to something else. Faith, mm. God, whatever you want to call it, because there's so many things that can go on results. Like you were talking about earlier behind, before the podcast, how certain things pivot, right? And to be able to pivot. And, and so, um, so we're clearly aligned. And, um, and again, how we think and the way you even think. I, I love it. Uh, well, I was going to say, like most of us, like every day we get out of bed and we just have a day. That's right. right? The day happens, but it's those days where we get out of bed and we set an intention of that's what right. kind of day we have, we want to have, Come on. that's what we manifest, right. right? And so it's having the practice to make that a habit, right? And whether that's starting the day and what kind of day am I going to have or what kind of interview are we all going to have together right. or what do I want for my business, for my relationship? How, what kind of parent do I want to be? All those things are intentions yes. that... You, you can't just set the intention out there and just wait for something to happen. Then that's just a wish. But if you set the intention and then you take action, then you are, that is the formula for manifesting. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's I mean, it. that's, I can't wait to share the journal with you because that's exactly what we have help people do is really align those. So you write, for example, personally, I want to be healthy, a good father, brother, son, professionally work on projects to scale good news, spiritually, please God. And then the actions that throughout the day, I'm trying to align with those passions. So I could, you know, really focus on the time. So, so many of us waste so much time, you know, consistently. But talking about time, you went from five, four or five years old. You're an entrepreneur. You're, you're selling to get, you had a mission. Your mission was, I want that magic. Yeah, okay, so you got kit. the magic kit. It disappointed you. Did hmm. you carry on? Did you keep using At what age? Because you said you started building up blocks. And then you, what you had to then tear down. So when did those blocks or those walls start getting built up? Yeah, well, I was always a child materialist mm. where I wanted stuff. My parents would say that, you know, like their joke to me was like, I always like tried to convince them to stop, to go to a store and make a quick buy. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, you know, I was able to, and other times I wasn't. But, you know, when I was a kid, I, I was bullied. I had other experiences that I learned that if I spoke up, I would often get made fun of and, you know, the feeling would be of humiliation or embarrassment. And so I learned to keep my mouth shut and, um, be more reserved. And I wasn't innately shy, but those that experienced me as a child or as a kid would say that he's shy. And so I was an extrovert living in the body of someone that was having introverted experiences or experiences that, um, my reaction to those experiences was to act like an introvert. And, uh, it was only when I started gaining awareness of how certain experiences shaped me as a kid and what, you know, I felt was bottled up inside that I wanted to break free and learn about how I even had walls and then to take the action to knock them down and be my true self and, and really be freed. And, and, and at what age, do you, do you remember at what age that you began that process? 
Yeah, there there was. I mean, we might have to do math for this going from five, but it was yeah, my early twenties years ago. Yeah, my early twenties, where I um, what precipitated that, or what was the catalyst for me, was I would come out of relationships, and the relationships all ended the same way. She's mm-hmm. and I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but she's effed up, mm-hmm. and she did this, and she did that, and she did that, and and so you know, I was pointing outward. And until I had enough of those experiences where they became less coincidences and more things that, again, I was manifesting. And so why am I attracting all these relationships with women who were emotionally unavailable? And then I finally started to point the finger towards myself and learn about myself and learn about the experiences that I had as a kid and how I reacted to those experiences and how I adapted my behavior uh, as a result of those experiences. And then I saw that, okay, that was the way I reacted when I was a kid. I'm now an adult and these don't serve me anymore. And now I have to, you know, figure out a way to incorporate new habits and drop those and let those go. And so, um, you know, it was a process. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of effort, but just again, like anything, I think this sounds like the theme of, um, you know, how do you manifest something? How do you develop a new habit? Um, it's with intention and it's making consistent, having consistent follow-ups to take new action, but then to assess that along the way. And is this working? Is this not working? What do I need to do to adapt, to change and to, and to do things differently? Oh, Bill. At the age of uh, probably 11 to 12, um, real outgoing, confident, but that bully, oh my goodness, when you said it immediately, you probably could tell my energy shift, mm. my eyes start watering. Because you can be a confident kid, and but it will mess with every fiber of your being, especially if you like going to school and getting bullied, and that's an eight-hour uh, Protest six, seven hours at school, and then the teachers chime in on your bullying. And, you know, so when you said that, you know, we create whole personas and attitudes, and uh, you're locked up then. So I'm back to your mother with freedom. And so it wasn't until my 20s in which I chose uh, my body, uh, might be physically incarcerated, but it's time for me to be free. And that's where the voice was cultivated and the self-reflection of the various pains and just injustices, if you ask me, of my childhood. But I said I wasn't going to allow my circumstances, which was two life without sentences, to lock up my body Mm. and still I'd be in prison inside of myself. Mm. And so when you uh, said that, um, probably two uniquely different childhoods and path of life, but we experienced the same humanity. A person, my father was similarly the same. Open the door, go get it, son. Seven years old, be back before. You know, so it's, it's, it's that kind of alignment we see. And then it's something in your life, it hurts you. And, you know, and you can't keep living in that life because, like you said, you wasn't available. So you kept attracting women that were not available. So I just wanted just to take that moment and say thank you. Normally, uh, we're trying to draw a tear out of you. You drew one. 
out of me. But I knew when I looked at you, I was in trouble. <laughs> well, <laughs> so yeah, these I, guys down here, right here. I appreciate you, and I can I can only imagine. I can't relate to what it feels like to be physically locked up. And but I, you know, I've certainly heard the words of Nelson Mandela and mm. and yours as well. Is that you know physical. You could be physically locked up, but you could be emotionally free. Yes. But so many people, unfortunately, are not physically locked up, but are emo emotionally in, in prison. prison. Yes. And so, yes. you know, it's uh, the spark of awareness is usually what it mm. takes to see things differently. Because yes. we grow, everyone grows up with certain conditioning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a dad, I want to, I want to be a dad that my daughter hopefully one day looks back and says, you know, that was conditioning that, um, I want to use in my life and to, um, in, in exchange of all her relationships. And hopefully it's a lot better than some of the conditioning that I had, but it's when you have that spark of awareness that you're unsatisfied with the way things have been yes. and are, and you're motivated to make them different. That really is um, needed for most people. I, I know for myself, like I, I was in that treadmill of experiences over and over and over again, and I wasn't seeing myself. I was just pointing outwardly. So like, I'm very grateful for having that spark that helped me start to look inward and help me understand myself better that I could be the best version of myself, which I'm, which I, and we all are continuing to try to improve. Mm. You know, that's, um, you are, you're right about that, that moment, the spark. And, and sometimes it could be the, through failed experiences in which, you know, uh, you get to learn from, it could be in my situation is when I got really sick, um, and other people's it's a, you know, there's, there's usually those moment, a moment or moments that you just can't take it anymore. Um, and that's, and hopefully to your point, I look at my two boys as well. And, you know, I, I can see patterns that, okay, that's me as a child mm. and, oh, oh, or, or I just reacted to him the way that I would be ever reacted to. So I got to then go back and explain or think about these things. Right. Cause you know, they don't give you a, I mean, there are childhood books, but or books on raising a kid, but they're all over the place. Right. So it's interesting when you have kids to be able to see that parallel path and, and cause everything says they start from your childhood. <laughs> You're like, Oh geez, are they going to blame me for something? Um, you know, so, so it's, so you go into your twenties. Now you're five years old. You are driven by materialist, you know, material gain. You want this. I, I, I can't just ask for it and it will happen. I got to go for it and earn it. Um, when you get in your twenties, clearly you, you're, you've been in the financial world and that's when I met you, you're still in that space. Um, is that what drove you to become a financial advisor and get into that space? Like what, what, what got you there? Yeah, what got me there was I was in college and you're in college and your society and parents are instilling in you that you go to college and you come out and you get a good job. And I went through that process, not really knowing what I wanted to be. And I went interviewed and I, and I accepted a job at a, at a prestigious investment bank. But it was one of those jobs where you were rising, you, you had to rise through the, the ranks. And so it was a great entry level position, but it was something that I was going to be entering someone else's, uh, corporate hierarchy and being 
my success is not necessarily determined by my actions, but the way someone else perceives those actions. And so I began to think about that and I thought that I want to be the one in control of my destiny. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, the day I was supposed to start that job, I called them and I said, thank you very much, but I'm not showing up today. And to very much the huge disappointment of my parents, like, <laughs> how can you turn that away? We, you went to school for four years. This is what your dream was. And, you know, I didn't express it at the time, but it wasn't my dream. It was what my parents wanted my dream to be. And so I, in the face of hearing disappointment and negativity, I was very strong in my own intention of what I wanted to do, not knowing even what that was, but it just wanted, wanted it to be something that I was in control of my own destiny. And I had an inkling and a, and a connection to the financial world. And, um, I found myself in financial sales and it was three months later where I figured this out and it was actually with a, a, a well-known company. And then my parents are like, Oh, that's a good decision. <laughs> um, but it was something that my, financial results were directly attributable to my financial, my, my actual efforts and results. Mm -hmm. And so in, and it was from there where I was, I was an entrepreneur. Anyone in sales is an entrepreneur. They might be under someone else's structure, but you're an entrepreneur because you're the one that has to figure out, you have to be creative. You have to adapt. You have to find, how do you find your customers? How do you connect with your customers? How do you build relationships? How do you get more customers? And so you're, anyone in sales is an entrepreneur, whether they have identified that or not. And so from there, uh, then I really began my career as a true entrepreneur of starting companies and building companies. Amazing. I actually, it's funny you saying that my, my wife's working on this, this campaign about um, how put mom on the resume, how these transferable skills, you know, with moms are Moms are like the ultimate producer, the ultimate entrepreneur, how to, how to burst something and then figure out all the things and how to make it successful. And, and one of the key traits that we talked about often and why Tobias and I, we finally decided to, it actually wasn't us that said to do this. It was other people that kept on saying There's something about you too. You guys just need to sit down and start doing this. Mm -hmm. We're like, all right, let's do it. Um, but it's the transferable skills where he spent 28 and a half years and locked up but the, what the skills that he was able to create by flipping the entire system on its head from hate to love and to unite the whites, the blacks, the browns and all these, I'm like, man, those are priceless skills. I mean, mm -hmm. of, uh, it, it, when he started really realizing the amount of professional, they say it's about 10,000 hours to create an expert. I was like, you know how many experts, mm, how much expertise you have? And so it just, it, it kind of grew on us that there's so many ways, like for example, right now you're telling our audience, if you're in sales, whether you know it or not, you're, you're an entrepreneur. That's just a way of, 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 of looking at the, of the transferable skills. Because you're saying as an entrepreneur, these are the things you need to do. As someone in sales, this is what you need to do. So that's just a great way of thinking about it. Um, this now, you know, we say it's uh, spiritual, uh, uh, per personal, and professional. But even inside of a prison setting, when violence is what's being marketed and sold, so how do you go from selling violence to peace, from hate to love? Mm. The same principles and approach that you said that you, in the same age time, in your 20s, went to become this person that you are today. And I was just looking at myself like, wow, amazing. I was actually a salesperson selling spirituality. Uh, uh, you know, we're bigger than our 
uh, I guess, worst moments that, uh, you know, we might be attached to the anger that is attached to hate, but love and rejoicing is a better, uh, uh, I guess, experience. So you have to be a salesperson in that regard, and those skills are transferable uh, skills. So just in just understanding uh, like that, you know, I was an entrepreneur then, you yes. feel me, because so many people brought into it, and to the most part, uh, Governor uh, Jerry Brown, when he yeah. stated what he stated uh, for caring for people, that from a death sentence to returning back into society, and now this, what we're doing now, is an extension of what he's saying. But first of all, it came to you willing to say no. Uh, I know about, I have three beautiful parents, and they had the brightest ideas for my life in 30 years of prison. Definitely wasn't it. Mm. And so who, who was I going to be then? And then I had to make a decision, and I had to be quite intentional in that decision that this is who I'm going to be despite the odds. And prison is a place of bullying. You feel me? And then, you know, in the 1990s, there was a terrible relationship between law enforcement and inner city black men. You know, so every form of obstacle and demon and fear that I had, I had to address those things. And so as we're speaking here uh, today, this is what's really uh, resonating that we are sharing a humanity, although we might look like we're in different skins and different classes. All those are uh, illusions yeah. that we continuously keep putting up. But uh, we're all salesmen and saleswomen. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. Well, you, I think you stated it in such a beautiful way because when you strip everything down, we're all the same. And mm -hmm. people are always selling us stuff that are ideas and beliefs that are different. And a lot of us believe those things, but when you're able to, like we do in our own lives, you, you strip things out. And when you start actually looking at things objectively, yes, then all the bullshit <laughs> yeah. gets cleared out. And like, I don't care what you think yeah. or what's up. I'm not you, well, yeah, but I what someone you, else is thinking, um, this is like, what's true for me. Yes. And I don't need you to sell me on your stuff anymore no. because I'm selling myself <laughs> on what is true to and and fits with my integrity uh, i love it i, I love think it. that's why we talk about doing good for yourself and others meaning what you're just saying perfectly is you know the first person you need to sell on anything is yourself you got to buy into it and i think a lot of us especially we're here in los angeles and hollywood there's a lot mm -hmm. of or or forget hollywood just go on your instagram and you know there's a lot of fakeness out there um and so you see things that are, are perceptions anyway. They're not real. So to, I love that. To really hone in on who you are. Sell yourself. See if you buy buy yourself, buy your sales pitch. Because mm. once you do, then it mm. emanates and it, and it really can become of service to others as well. So going back to, so you, okay, so you took that, you called to uh, quit your job. Three months later, you get into an, another job to make you uh, your parents happy and yourself more importantly really feel aligned. Well, what age did you, or have you been a vegan your whole life? No, no, no. Okay. So can we, can we journey into that? Because when I met you, I knew you were a vegan. Um, you were about to open up a, or in that process of this discovering what outstanding foods could be, but, but you were super fit, mm. you know, gray hair, just good looking guy. Um, but, but, but vegan, being a vegan is, I know, really important to you. Um, 
And I know it's something that you want to share um, by practically, we call it practical inspiration. I call Outstanding Foods a, a source of practical inspiration. Bad, yeah. um, can you tell us like what got you, uh, how did you become vegan? And Yeah, I have been vegan for over 32 years and I'm a, I'm a, I have left and right side brain. So I don't think I have one side dominant. So I'm a, I could be a logical thinker, but I'm a creative. And so I am a visual person. And when I was a kid, no one told me anything or I didn't hear anything. I just would think about what was on my plate Mm. and the things that look more like an animal, whether it was the wing or a leg or an eye would just gross me out. I didn't know anything about animal welfare, had no idea about health, had no idea Mm. about the environmental impact of animal agriculture. It was just, wow, that (laughs) wing, I'm thinking about it flying and you know, there it is on my plate and it just wasn't appetizing to me. So through my childhood, I cut out the meats that reminded me of the animals and I was literally left with just beef. And then I cut out beef with bones and I was left with just burgers. Mm. And so I didn't know what vegan was. I had no idea, but I just knew that, and I didn't have health issues at the time, but I knew that if I ate beef as often as I did, which was usually twice a day, that that would catch up to me at some point in, in health conditions. Yeah. And so I just cut it out and, um, had no idea. I, the first tofu I ever had was in a Korean market in New York. And I didn't know what tofu was. There was this powdered stuff that you can get that you mix with water and it supposedly turned into a sloppy Joe and (laughs) supposedly is the operative word there. It was, you know, it was just, you know, kind of freakish. And so I, you know, just became, that was my diet. And then as I, you know, lived that lifestyle, I became more aware of animal welfare. I became more aware of the environmental impact. And I also realized my own health. I, it, it was about two years or so after I became vegan, then I realized, oh, I don't get those stomach aches anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to get these really nasty, painful stomach aches that I just thought were normal, that it w- wasn't the meal I was eating. It was just, you know, that must be just normal. And the, my digestion got dramatically better and I just had a reflection, oh, that's gone. And so I knew, you know, how it affected me and I could only imagine how it affects if I was eating that diet for a longer period of time. Um, but in terms of selling it to others, I don't do that. That's not my mission. I'm That's not, right. Right. I, I am someone that respects other people's choices and I don't impose mine on other people. And so the mission of my company, and, and so I was plant-based for 32 years. I've been an entrepreneur. I had a desire to start a plant-based company, but one that can make it easy for anyone to eat more plant-based, more healthy foods, incorporate them into their diet seamlessly without having to make new habits, without having to make sacrifices. And so I was fortunate to partner with my co-founder, Chef Dave Anderson, who is a true alchemist, Mm -hmm. chef, Mm -hmm. chef, smoke coming out of the ears, genius. And he has this rare ability to use only plant-based ingredients and make foods that taste as good or better than what people are used to, but they happen to be plant-based and they happen to be healthier. So that's my intention with our business is um, really to make it easy for people to eat the foods that they love, the indulgent experiences that they crave, but without making them feel bad afterward with crappy ingredients or ingredients that other products have compromised. And so 
that we've been at it. We started with snacks. We have other products that we're going to be doing and go in other categories we're going into, but our intent is never to sell people that you must be vegan, yep. that you must mm. do this. No, it's here are products you love. They just happen to be plant-based and give it a shot. See if you I like it. Um, Bill, um, one of the things that allowed me to platform the work that I did in prison, I was working for the medical department inside of the institution I was at, and uh, I was working with a uh, a the head of medicine. She was a psychologist named Dr. Corelli. And Dr. Corelli said, to the point of what you said, she said, Tobias, you have a integrative personality. She was Greek. And I said, an integrative personality? She said, yes, we have been conditioned to have segregative personalities, thinking there's some kind of war between the right and the left brain. She said, only very few people can actually synthesize their two brains. So when you said that, it's no surprise from a very young age in your experiences, whether it's spirituality, whether it's that innate uh, thing that you said. So uh, what's very important to me is diet. And out of the 4,000 people they say that I've casually contacted, which means there was some kind of an institution, there's not a lot of doctors. And so they need to have people trained with lived experience to deal with the population because the population of prison is getting more and more older and sick. And so I was one of those people who created the process to get that done. Diet. I always used to ask the person, when you was a young person, what were you eating? the day of your arrest. I've heard no one say vegetables. I had no one say anything that was healthy, water. Why? Because it's not accessible inside of most communities that we come out of and that I work in. And uh, it's not a part of the family culture. And so if you look at institutions, the grade of food is terrible. It's probably more healthy, but it's terrible. But yet and still, we spend billions on junk food a year. So that's the dilemma. Think about eating junk food your whole entire childhood and then 30 years of your life through these long incarceration stints so your whole adult body is based on junk and then coming out to society saying that we're re-entering. So I'm saying that to say to know that you are behind this company and brand as a person, as a spirit, and then producing food that gives life. And I was looking at uh, Tony, you know, he's kind of spoke on, uh, you know, his spark of consciousness coming through fighting with his Crohn's. And I'm looking at the food that he's now cooking, the colors, and you know what that is, and it's alive. So I'm very uh, uh, happy that we're here today speaking with you because we want to take this food to the inner city. I seen how the team was eating when they came in. Everybody was like, oh, man, I can't wait. This is over. But check this out. But uh, we need a nutritional food. A lot of us stressy. We're going through a lot of anxiety. Uh, we love the new streaming and all these new movies that's coming on. And we like to pack it in, but it's only costing us death and disease. And so to have food, real food. Now, this is food that you have here that's going to give us life and help us feel better about ourselves. I think that is a revolutionary act. You know, we thank you. Well, thank you. I, I, I have a friend named John Lewis. He mm. goes by Badass Vegan. <laughs> and he produced a movie called They're Trying to Kill Us. Mm. And it is about entirely about what you just spoke about, which is that the food deserts in urban communities, 
there's yes. no fresh groceries even to, to purchase anywhere. And it's fast food, it's junk food. And it's the kind of food that doesn't cultivate a healthy body, doesn't cultivate a healthy mind. And there are consequences to that yes. type of food. And so he's bringing awareness. And we as a company, we want to help support whatever we could do to the communities that we serve. And Maybe. so oh. we've donated money. We've donated now. We're, we're in a short lifespan of our company. It's only been a couple of years since we launched product to the market. And we've donated hundreds of thousands of bags of our product Amazing. to people in need. And, you know, really have a, a bigger mission beyond just being a plant-based food company, selling our product and making it easier for people to eat more plant-based and more healthy food. But it's to how we can be part of a solution of providing healthier foods to people that are truly in, in, in desperate need of that. Um, me and Tony speak on this. We don't want to speak on this enough. We are B Corp. And the B Corp, our public good is reentry. Uh, not just because I am a reentry person. Tony's a reentry person. He's reentering his own humanity, learning how to, you know, how he he did the same thing you did. Guys, I'm out. It's not you, it's me. And have to find his own way in which life brought me and him together that fateful day. He says Christmas Eve at a gravesite. Uh, point being is that uh, the B Corp is not just reentering people from incarceration, but all forms of imprisonment. In the majority of our mental and emotional and physiological uh, dis-ease is because not only, as Tony has said, our psychological diets, but our physical diets. So on the grassroots level, we have a sister corporation who does that work. You know, it's called Huma House. And Huma House and Huma Care, we are partnered with uh, a company inside of a restaurant who is vegan. You know, so when we was coming here today and Tony said, I said, Tony, you know this guy? This and he said, bro, I know him. I'm like, hey, you know, we get past all, like you said, the bullshit. So, <laughs> bro, it's work to be done. And uh, it's, it's, it's really a revolutionary act. One day, brother, come with us to Lamert Park and we can count the stores. I'm talking about fast food, alcohol. Then you wonder why people feel the way they feel. You wonder why we produce children who feel the way they feel. So when we can have snack, and we like junk, we like to, we like to feel like we're eating. I'm not going to separate myself from our community and apparently the world. Bro, when we can eat, and I'm watching these men when I'm walking down the hall, and they eating, and then they was eating like two or three bags before you got here. I said, we need to take some of that, and I'm going to do a trial with you. I'm not going to tell them what it is. I'm going to ask them how do they like it, and they're going to love it, and then I'm going to show them the difference. Options is what makes a difference. When a person doesn't have an option, then they go and we go down. So now uh, to have such an option, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, you said you was grateful. I think gratitude is everything. So uh, we're grateful for you. And I'm not surprised because I was going to ask you, did you make the correlation between a four-year-old with a bag of vegetable seeds and greeting cards to your age today, decades later, still in the same place, bringing ultimately uh, vegetable seed and greeting people in that way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you just help shine the light on that. That's a beautiful connection. Mm. And I think, you know, I mean, we are always planting seeds, but are we watering those seeds? Come on, speak. And so I think that's really what, you know, we are doing now. Like we're, we're, you know, when you're, when you're consciously going through your day, whether that's a life 
long intention, whether that's the daily intention, whether that's just a, you know, period of time intention, um, putting the seeds out is part of it. You know, it's just mm. a different way of saying an intention without action is just a wish. A seed without water, without sunlight yes. is just a seed and, it, and you could plant it in the, in the soil, but if the soil doesn't have minerals, it's not going to grow. If it's speak, soil doesn't speak, have water speak. and sun, it's not going to grow. Speak. So, you know, it's, you, you, you have to go beyond just that, um, that this is what I want to do and actually do it. And that's, that's the challenging thing for most people because most people, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. This is how I want to show up. But then the conditioning is what overtakes. And so for us with food, we know that habits are hard for people to incorporate. We know that it's very difficult. A lot of people sign up January 1st to a gym, right? Mm. But do they show up at the gym? Most mm. of them don't. And so we don't want to have to change people's habits because right. we know that that's more of an uphill battle. We want to, we want to just tap into the behavior that already exists but replace the bad products with the outstanding ones. Uh, brother, um, urban farming is a part of uh, how I leverage my freedom. And you have something called root, uh, weeding. Weeding. Weeding is very important, getting the weeds out. So this is what I believe that the soil, our communities are soil. You know, we're seeds. You're a seed. You know, and these children and young people are seeds. But the soil has been tainted. The soil has been contaminated. By people who are literally bullies. They don't care nothing about the community. So when we can weed out those products and those, because remember their intention is on those products. Their mentality is on those, their so-called spirituality or lack of is a part of those products. So when we can institute inside that soil and weed out and put uh, what we're doing today, uh, I can almost guarantee the effects it's going to have because it's not just the vegetable but it's the product itself and who produced the product in the individual's lives. We become, you know, a product. That's what they call programming. Me and Tony talks about, it, you know, Tony being a producer, you know, brother, and it's called a program. So who's doing the programming? <laughs> you, you feel me? Yeah. Now what are we programmed to do? And so now this is the other side I of that. I would say, you know, when you talk about people, a lot of us have these grander ideas. Oh, I want to do this. I, I want to be this type of person. And to your point, maybe a lot of us stop short of, just the intention, because we don't know what actions. But, you know, or you may go, I have the seed. I have this great strawberry seed. Mm. Um, I found I found some soil that, that looks pretty good, but I don't know where to get the water or the sun because I'm indoor. And so it's just about, you know, like, for example, you had this intention, but you had to, you know, fatefully meet Dave. And in, in all sense, it's really about, you know, part of the to not give up process is to really put yourself in that mindset both physically and what, what you eat and what you read and what you listen to so that ultimately like minds start surrounding you, right? So that's like, I've been on a mission for a while um, to do what I'm doing, but it took meeting Tobias. I mean, I might know my brother my whole, his whole life, but it wasn't until meeting Tobias and having some other, in our other part of Mashari and having these fateful moments where it ultimately you go, wow, we got the seed, the soil, the sun, the water, Everything. let's go do this. And then, you know, part of our mission and podcast is just like a magnet for us. Obviously we are associated with good news network. We're trying to create and cultivate with good currency an opportunity to not only just focus on the brands in the, in the, in the brand of good currency, but also how do we create a platform of good that we can then really rise so that ultimately we have the, a place that has million. I mean, we do have millions of people, but 
let's grow that to, from 2 million to 25 million units mm. a month so that we can now shine light on all these incredible other people, products, and planet saving techniques. So that's our mission. And, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, one of the best, I remember when I, I sat down and interviewed you, um, or we talked about Hatched. And I asked you, I don't know if you remember this, but I, 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 I quote you often. It's been years. I said, what do you look for in an entrepreneur? Like when you're thinking about investing, I know you've raised, raised you helped raise, you know, a lot of money for companies. Uh, at one point, you know, you were known as the badass mother funder, which <laughs> I love so much. Um, but you said, like I said, in a business plan, when you look at a business plan and, and you see these projections and, 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 and you had said, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but you had said, yes, I look at the projections, not so much because I believe the numbers, but it's more to say the mindset of where they want to go. But what I don't like or what I get fearful of investing in is an entrepreneur that's so fixated on where they're going. And you, and you reference this idea of it's their ship. I'm in the ocean with them. I don't get to pilot it. They're the captain. And they're telling me they're going due north. The entire, that, that's how we're going to go become a billion-dollar company due north. But you're like, yeah, what if there's a tidal wave coming up? Where's a storm? I don't care. I'm going straight for it. You said, I need to know someone that can pivot. Like, maybe you have to go left a little bit before you can go. And I just remember that analogy hit me so much about this idea of pivoting or at least investing in those that you felt like knew from a, a mission statement. You know, mission and visions tend not to change if you know really uh, why you're doing what you're doing. But how you get there tend to tend to change. So can you give us an example of, uh, so thank you for that advice. It's been around and I've been sharing that with a lot of people. But can you share that experience with Outstanding Foods, for example? Like where you started and where you're at today, because I know that, um, you know, you're, you're constantly reinventing and, and, and adapting uh, this product. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back to the, Tobias's masterful metaphors about pulling out the weeds Mm. and the seeds and the soil and the sun and the water and all that, right? What does that call? That's called cultivating, cultivating the soil. And so we all cultivate something. That idea, that spark, that intention is the the beginning, but then it has to be cultivated. And so if if you plant a seed in the ground and it doesn't rain for a while, you're, you're going to be out of luck if you just wait for it to rain and, it, and you're in LA even as an example, right? You got to figure out, okay, where, is there a hose around here? Is there mm. other water I could bring into this, right? You have to adapt. And so that the process of cultivating doesn't mean that you're going to be in a straight line of this is my intention and this is where I want it to go. And this is the direction and where we end up at. There's going to be lots of twists and turns along the way. And that's the way you have to navigate that, right? And so whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in raising kids, whether it's whatever it might be, there's always things that you don't expect. And as an entrepreneur, you have to plan for the unexpected mm-hmm. and not be disappointed when things don't go your way, but see the yes, see the opportunity in the adversity, right? And so we started the company where we created the snack food. My co-founder created the snack food that tasted just like crispy bacon. Mm. Amazing product. Tried it. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we had just the most incredible accolades, you know, the bacon eaters like couldn't believe it wasn't actual bacon Mm -hmm. and great product. We sold more than we could produce. 
extremely complicated product to make because a lot of innovation buff behind it. And, uh, if just like a recipe, if you don't follow it, you're not going to get the same result. Mm. The same thing with making a product. If, if the manufacturing of any product or food product or otherwise, uh, changes, the end result is going to change. And so we had an issue with that product and where we had a whole bunch of product that we couldn't sell because our manufacturer didn't follow the protocol. Mm. And so what did we do? We didn't cry and sulk and say, this isn't the way we wanted it to go. We said, okay, we assessed what was the issue and looked at all the alternatives. Okay. If we spun this product up at another manufacturer, how long would that take? What would the cost be? And that wasn't a palatable option. So it was, okay, let's figure out another product and bring it to market as quickly as possible. And that's what we did. We pivoted from that product we were having challenges with to another product that we brought out in record, in record timing mm -hmm. and a lot of resistance along the way to that timing. And, you know, it was something that also partly built the culture of our company because we have a done is better than perfect mentality. And that means that we don't want to put out crappy products. We want to put mm. out the most outstanding products that we possibly can, but that we're open to feedback. We're open to things not happening exactly the way we want. And we pay attention to the feedback. We don't blow in the wind mm. hearing a feedback and then just changing every time we do that. But we process the feedback that if we hear enough of it, we pay attention That's and right. we make changes. And so we, we had to make a massive pivot and it had implications to our customers. It had implications to the retailers that were selling that first product on the shelf that we had to pull off the shelf. It had implication to our investors. It had implication to us and our team. And we were determined to make that pivot and do whatever it took to make that pivot and do it as quickly as we could. And that's what we did. And it was, it was a harrowing journey, but it was a, is also looking back on it. It was a lot of fun in that journey and a lot of fun in in, you know, having to be creative and think about things differently than the intention was. And Tony, you asked me before about whether we're going to bring a certain product into the market and it was on our product roadmap, but our product roadmap is adaptive. We're constantly changing that to see what the opportunity is and what, um, makes the most sense and what is really going to make a difference for our, for our consumers. Unbelievable. It's, it's so funny how the, the, the first time we met the story that stuck out with me you lived as that was from an investor talking to an entrepreneur. And now as an entrepreneur, you lived that, mm. that, that storm coming ahead, yeah. <laughs> how to quickly adapt. You know, the other thing I, I love about outstanding foods and to your point, uh, Tobias, it is about, I mean, why we call ourselves good currency. It's not just about the philosophy, but also the flow of energy. Right. And so when you get to learn and, 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 and the studies show, I mean, Gen Z millennials, uh, they're, they, they look into the, the, the ethos of a company and they will switch brands if they know the ethos of a company, why they're doing what they're doing. And, and, and you and Dave, I mean, I'm just, I'm fortunate enough to have met you guys prior. So I can see and testify the flow of this, of the why, but, but I love how you say you're not selling the vegan part. You're trying to make a better, healthier product that just, oh, by the way, happens to be vegan, but I mean, full of protein and all kinds of good for you products. I mean, literally you can go to the grocery store, anybody listening, if you are lucky enough to have outstanding foods in your, in your neighborhood grocery store, which you will soon, wherever you're listening to this, you, you compare even other vegan based products. There's nothing on the market like yours. 
And as a parent or as someone just feeding themselves, you feel better <laughs> about the snack that you really want, you know? And so, because even if you're vegan, I know a lot of vegan or veg, you know, vegetarians who aren't in the best shape, you know, eat stuff that they should not be eating. As a matter of fact, maybe they eat too much of the junk food. And so for me, what you're providing, and, and, and again, the ethos behind the company is, um, and I can see how this brand is just going to expand into so many other, I hope, into so many other categories, not just snack. Um, so we just, I just, you know, we celebrate you and Dave, we celebrate your company. That's right. And appreciate um, why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, it really, this is what this is what it's all about for us. Is to how do we allow? How do we tell these great stories? There's so many um, heartfelt stories, but uh, I really appreciate um, the journey that you've been able to share with us today. And um, you know, just it, it, it's impressive to see. But I got to ask you, actually, when it comes to the, the perfectionism of Dave, and I know he's a perfectionist. Uh, you know, scientist, uh, chef. Um, was it your idea, his idea, or a group idea to not just make it taste? I know taste is a huge thing, like pig out and to really taste as much. But what about all the other vitamins and minerals that you're putting in? Like how did, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Dave Dave actually had the experience of stopping at a gas station, filling up, going inside and buying a bag of chips and you know, before you know it, you're at the end of the bag, which we, is a relatable thing for most of us. And then it, f it felt good going down. It tasted great going down. But, you know, once it's down, you, you feel guilty. You feel like, what did I just do? You just get a bomb of fat and salt. And so, you know, he thought like, well, if people are already doing that, what if we actually not only made them taste great, but also used really high quality ingredients that was, were providing people with the nutrients that they need? And so that, you know, really was a big part of also the ethos of everything we do. It's got to taste great first and foremost, but it's giving you the flavor you love, but the nutrients you need. Mm. And so, you know, we're solving problems, or at least we like to think we're solving problems for people where um, you can get that great taste and indulgent experience that everyone loves about food. But what is comfort food? Comfort mm. food makes us feel good yeah. in the moment. You keep yeah. eating comfort food. It's not going to make you feel good all the time because no. it's going to catch up to you, right? So we want to we want to have people feel good and have food be that enjoyable experience and not where you feel like, oh, I'm eating healthy, so I have to eat the crappy stuff. No, you could have everything you love about food, but you could have the things that your body actually needs and craves as well. Incredible. And you had a, I mean, let me know how much you can talk about this, but I mean, it's on social, so do, but. What I love also is a lot of people use influencer marketing and influencers to sell their products. Um, you know, and, and these influencers, uh, some of them are authentically passionate about the product. Sometimes it's just a great paycheck, like anytime. But you got influencers and some pretty powerful people behind your brand that not only are out there being your, your spokes uh, people, but they're investors as well. And I know that that was important to you. Uh, you know, there's a famous, well, famous in the sense of in your in this world of outstanding foods, of the story of how you even heard about Rob Diedrich and and that story. Can you share that quickly with our audience? Yeah. For those who haven't heard, I think it's a it's an interesting story. Yeah. Well, I think you know you touched on something that is paramount to everything is authenticity, yes. right? Because you just described also that consumers now look for brands that have a purpose and that they can connect with. But if you're not authentic about that consumers are very sophisticated and we'll see right through mm. that. So if you're just trying to 
you know, hey, let's do the market research and let's adapt ourselves and let's put this. No, it, it doesn't work. Consumers are very, very sophisticated. Same way with influencer marketing. Consumers can smell through, okay, that's a paid ad. They're just, you know, running through their lines that, you know, like, do they really eat that product? You know, they, there's been so many cases of, you know, like there was a, a Microsoft tablet, whatever they call it, that, you know, was uh, sponsoring the NFL and there was a coach on the sidelines using an iPad, right? <laughs> so consumers see through the BS and they see through what isn't authentic. And so we attracted investors that were big believers in our products, the consumers of our products, where if they're actually investing in a company, in the products that they love, then when they're talking about it, consumers are going to, are going to understand that that's real, that that's not just paid for. Uh, they're not just, you know, reading their lines. They're actually saying what is, what is real and authentic to them. And so that was our strategy because we wanted to connect with people in an authentic way and in a way that was relatable. And so we were fortunately able to attract a number of celebrities and influencers. Rob Deerdeck was among them. And Rob was our, our lead investor in, in the, in the initial round. And I was introduced to Rob, not knowing who he was. I, I had, I had heard about his show, Robin big. I had heard about ridiculous, ridiculousness, but I never personally saw them. So I was introduced to Rob. I'm thinking, okay, an MTV guy, you know, he's probably like a smaller investor. <laughs> and it turned out that Rob was not only a bigger investor from the you know size of his check, but just a super smart businessman that, um, knows branding, knows positioning mm. and has a, a, you know, also a, a very strong left and right side brain. And he and I formed the partnership, a real connection. Mm. We, we, the company wouldn't be called outstanding foods with him. A lot of our branding and positioning wow. and, um, Rob is, you know, not only a big supporter financially, but a big supporter in terms of the mental input and, wow. Um, you know, strategy. He's on our board now, and Rob is a is a meaningful part of our company. I, I well, congrats because I love that story. How you didn't know who he really was, and then he ended up writing you a check that you were uh, pleasantly surprised with. But more importantly, the energy. It was a flow. We were just on a phone call this morning about uh, different investors and putting money in, and how someone walked away from a big check just because they didn't feel that investor, and they know the consequences of dealing with an investor's energy if it's off. Um, and Rob, I, by the way, someone who I, I saw you and him and Lewis Howes on the podcast together. That was a really cool podcast episode. He also is big on, uh, on what we talk about, which is the time, intention, action. And I can see how that ethos, you, you two together is a, it's a powerful force. Um, so to just to, just to, Hey, we'd love to have you back, you know, as, as you know, when the company keeps growing and new things happen, our, our goal is to just keep cultivating these relationships, pushing them out to to the, to our little audience. Um, but we like to end each episode with asking, um, three, could be three to four quick one answers, uh, just to see where your head's at. Um, so, okay, Bill, without further ado, what's the quotes you tend to live by daily? Yeah. So it is live as though I'm going to die tomorrow, but take care of my body and learn as though I'm going to live forever. Basically. That's a great one. What advice or just what advice would you give your younger Bill self now that you've lived a couple more decades? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple more decades. Okay, I like that. Um, yeah, it's being aggressively patient. Mm. And so, you know, the cultivating process is a time thing, right? It's it's like, you know, you're you're adapting, you're navigating. That all that takes time, right? In anything that we do, things take time. So it's having patience. But not having patience where you're just sitting back and saying, okay, this didn't happen yet, so it's fine. It's going to happen tomorrow or next month or next year. It's being aggressive with your patience. So it's trying to make things happen as quickly as possible, but having the patience and the space to allow things to materialize and to show up when the the your plan is aligned with whatever mm. the universe's plan is. I love it. That's amazing advice to anybody listening at whatever age. And th there's, there's two more. Now, this is a question I'll, I'll be a little lenient on. I won't say what book do you recommend that you're potentially reading now, but um, in the last six months, you know, do you have a book that you really, that you resonate, really resonate with you? I love the new Gary Vaynerchuk book. I've known Gary personally for several years, but Gary Vaynerchuk's book is, a, is, is talks about being kind and being kind as the currency in business. Yes. And so being compassionate business, you know, for a lot of people, they, they think that, you know, to be successful, you have to grind to the top and you feel that like you have to be aggressive in your relationships and have things be one-sided or, or that there's a winner and there's a loser. Mm -hmm. And so he, he talks about being kind and, you know, I always approach, even from early days of relationships have to be win-win. Mm. Can't just yes. have one winner and one loser because karma will catch up to you and you're going to be the loser if you've made someone else a loser. And so I, I think that he's got a massive platform and to talk about the things that he's talking about in the environment that we're in, where ever, there's such divisiveness, such polarizing views and people aren't listening to each other. They're trying to convince people of their views. That's our culture. You turn on the news, you'll see that every day. You turn on talk radio and people are just fighting and arguing and, you know, not listening to each other and just trying to convince people of our views. Our views are right. Your views are wrong. That's the society. So to have someone with the platform that he has talk about kindness and compassion and empathy, uh, I think not only is really needed, but I think he did a, just an, an outstanding job of delivering that book. I'm actually, I was hesitant on asking you that question because I feel like it's used a lot, but I'm so glad I did because the answer was was perfect. I think Gary, actually his Sasha Group company, they interviewed me on a podcast uh, that came out in September. Or no, they interviewed me in September and it came out in November. And it was about good currency. And it was before we really kind of launched. And I just, I you're right. I mean, Gary, um, I've only met him once briefly in Cannes. Um, but you're right. Having someone like him who's, you know, our age, uh, in that youthful Instagram age, um, talking about kindness and it, it is, is so important because you, you just don't hear that enough, you know, and it takes someone bold like him to, to, and, you know, and, and a lot of times when we're in our conversations about things that seem to Pollyanna or whatever they call it, just to like, oh, you're just thinking about it's, it's, it's never really going to happen and wishful thinking. But it's, it's, it's what, what Tobias often says is it's not when you know better, you do better. It's when you feel better, you do better. And so being kind and being nice and doing good, you begin to feel better. And once you start feeling better, it becomes contagious. And then, become, and then that's how you trickle into doing action. So thank you for that response. All right. So Outstanding Foods, tell us where our audience can find you guys, follow you guys. 
Yeah, at Outstanding Foods on Instagram, all the social handles out at Outstanding Foods. I'm at at Bill Glazer, G L A S E R, and uh, we're so our products are sold throughout the country and even starting to go worldwide now. Um, so look for for them at your stores in the snack aisle. If they're not there, tell the store you want <laughs> Outstanding Foods. Amazing, and can we buy them online on your website? As yes, well? OutstandingFoods.com. Awesome. Bill, thanks for having us. We appreciate your time and, and thanks for being on. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. I'm Bill Glazer. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are living, living good, good, good currency. currency. Hey. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>